When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode eight of season four of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Eddie Cantor was a prolific comedian, actor, singer, dancer, songwriter, and author on stage, radio, recordings, and screen. He began making recordings in 1917, recording comedy routines and popular songs of the day, as well as a composer. He was one of the best-selling recording artists in the 1920s, but the 1929 crash hurt him financially, and he turned to writing books and cartoons to once again gain fame and wealth. He had a successful career in film and television, but he is perhaps best known for his long-running radio career. After appearing on Rudy Valley's Fleischmann's Yeast Hour in 1931, he went on to host the Chase and Sanborn Hour that same year for many years. His show Texaco Town was also extremely popular from 1936 to 1938, as was It's Time to Smile from 1940 to 1946, and then his Paps Blue Ribbon Show from 1946 to 1949. After that, he emceed Take It or Leave It from 1949 to 1950, and he was even a disc jockey from 1952 to 1953. His acting credits in various mediums are too numerous to list, but his legacy as one of the 20th century's greatest entertainers is impossible to refute. He died in 1964, aged 72, of a heart attack. Now sit back and enjoy the October 9th, 1940 broadcast of It's Time to Smile, and the January 8, 1948 broadcast of the Papsville Ribbon Show, starring Eddie Cantor. And also, remember to check out the links in this episode's description for two of my favorite YouTube old-time radio channels, Chesterton Radio and Spellbinders of Suspense. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of iPana for the smile of beauty and Sal Hepatica for the smile of health present It's Time to Smile! With Eddie Cantor, time to smile, where's that grin? Put a dimple in your chin, better times are coming, things are humming, time to smile. What the world is after now, is a lot of laughter now, there's no room for gloom, for gloom is out of style. And it's time, 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 time to smile. And here he is, Eddie Cantor. Thank 
you, Harry Von Zell, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Say, Eddie, how does it feel to be broadcasting from the Barbizon Plaza Hotel? Harry, this is the last time we broadcast from a hotel. Never, I have never been so insulted in... Insulted? Well, Eddie, what happened? I walk across the lobby. A woman says to me, boy, take these two bags and get me a taxi. That's no good, you know. No, sir. Oh, that's awful. Awful. It's terrible. And 15 cents to carry two heavy bags? (laughs) Why, I can't... What do you usually get? A half a dollar... Shut up! (laughs) Well, Eddie, you'll have to admit that this is certainly a swanky hotel. It certainly is. Why, why, in the restaurant here today, I ordered a lamb chop, and the panties on it had a zipper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if I thought that was so good, I'd use that gag myself. Look, (laughs) but that's nothing, Harry. The elevator boy here dresses like something out of Esquire. In his elevator, he wears those new featherweight trousers, you know, the light oh, ones? Yes, yes. They're so light, they actually float on air. You know, his pants always get to the top floor before he does. <laughs> really, Eddie? And did you get a load of the manager with his cutaway coat and a flower in his lapel? Did you oh, see him? Oh, yes, I did. I noticed him. Say, why does he always walk around with his nose up in the air? If you got one whiff of that flower, you wouldn't ask. <laughs> Uh, But the service here is wonderful. Everybody is so energetic. For instance, as soon as I drove up here tonight, the hotel doorman pulled me out of the taxi, threw me into the revolving door, gave it one push, and the next thing I knew, I was back in the taxi again. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, uh, something else I noticed, Eddie, the bellhops here at the Barbizon Plaza work very hard, don't they? Well, that depends on who moves in. You know what a terrific wardrobe Hetty Lamar has? Yeah. Well, last week she arrived here with 20 suitcases and 18 trunks, and how those bellboys worked. <laughs> of course, next day they got a rest. Dorothy Lemour checked in. <clears throat> Without a sarong, that would never end. Without a... She went with one little briefcase. A, bell, a bellhop carried it for her. Miss Lemour smiled at him. <laughs> then they had to get two other bellhops to carry the bellhop. <laughs> What are you pointing? Hey, what are you pointing? Wait a minute. Here comes the manager. The boost the hotel. The manager. Yeah, here. okay, okay. You know, it's a wonderful living in a hotel that's so near the park, Harry. Uh-huh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Every day the same pigeon flies up to my windowsill and waits for me to feed her. Oh, that's cute. Eddie. Isn't it? You know, Harry, I fed that pigeon so many breadcrumbs. This morning she laid a Parker House roll. <laughs> a Parker House roll. Uh... Yeah, gee, if it only been a cake, I could have put some candles on it and had a little celebration by myself. A celebration for what, Eddie? Oh, nothing, except that tonight happens to be my ninth anniversary in radio, and nobody seems to care. Doesn't it it make you feel sad, Harry? Well, yes, Eddie, very sad. (laughs) Well, you don't have to feel that sad. Look, look, Harry, I've worked hard these last nine years. Don't you think I deserve some kind of a tribute? Well, yes, Eddie, I will admit that after all these years, it is remarkable that you're still standing here and... And what? Well, that's all. It's remarkable. You're standing. Yeah, well, wait. <laughs> Harry, that hurt. Oh. That hurt. After all the toil I put into this thing, nine long years, I started in radio at the bottom with Jack Benny, Rudy Valley, Bing Crosby. Yeah. You've certainly gone a long way since then, haven't they? <laughs> all of a sudden, announcers are getting comical this season. <laughs> Anniversary telegram for Eddie Cantor. Right here, boy. Boy. <laughs> Looks like the aquarium, boy. Uh, Say, you look familiar. I should, I should. I'm the same guy who delivered a telegram to you when you first went on the air nine years ago. That's wonderful. But tell me, how come after nine years you're still doing the same kind of work? I got a pull. What's your system? (laughs) 
I don't need a system. I stay on the air because I work hard. I always tell new jokes, up to date, yeah. snappy stuff. Yes. I never forget the one you pulled nine years ago, the yeah. one about the pigeon laying a Parker House Road. <laughs> Boy, was that a corker. Say, I've got a good mind to report you to the Postal Telegraph Company. It won't you any good? Nah. I'm a big shot down there. They just gave me a higher position. A higher position? Yeah, they jacked up the seat on my bicycle. <laughs> Well, I gotta go now. Goodbye, Cantor. Yeah, wait, wait a minute, boy. Wait a minute, boy. This being my ninth anniversary, here's an appropriate tip. Here you are. Nine cents. When you come back on my 10th anniversary, I'll give you 10 cents. On my 11th anniversary, I'll give you 11 cents and so forth. Cantor, I'm gonna come back here on your birthday and hit the jackpot. You <laughs> will, huh? The nerve of that guy. The nerve of him hinting about my age. Yeah, I know. Why, I'm as fit as any young fellow who is in line for conscription. If Uncle Sam wants me, he can have me. Who's there? Uncle Sam! So fast? Company, halt! Eddie Cantor? Yes, sir? I'm Colonel Arthur A. Bear of the Army, and I have an order for you. Listen, Harry Bonzel, Grandpa, huh? I'm getting old, am I? Uncle Sam wants me. Give me a gun. Give me a horse. Give me a uniform. Give me a little time to think this over. <laughs> okay, sir. You can take me. Go ahead. Take me. Take you? Why, you were past the draft age for the Spanish-American War. <laughs> well, then why, why did you come in here? You asked for Eddie Cantor. What, what did you want me for? We're having target practice tomorrow, and we're short two bullseyes. <laughs> Maybe the Army won't take me, but I bet I could get into the Navy. Fine, Eddie. There's a recruiting office right down the hall here. We wait, can... a, wait a minute, Harry. What is the rush? All of a sudden, how you pick up the cues. All the... What's the matter? There's you're, no getting, rush. you're getting cold No, no, feet, no. Huh? <laughs> take your time about it. See, I can be a sailor a year later. All right. Uh, remember what John Paul Jones said? Uh, what did John Paul Jones say? I don't know. That's it. I'll go to the library and look it up. It'll take a little while, and I'll find out, and I'll tell you. All right, Let Eddie. Let me find out. Listen, that settles it. You're joining the Navy. Who? Say, Bobby sure would play something, and you better play loud to cover the knocking of Cantor's knees. I had opened my big mouth.
Come on, let's go. This is the way to the recruiting office. Recruiting office? I want to stop at Barney Greengrass's delicatessen first and leave an order to be li- delivered to the Navy. I have my stuff. Deli- uh, oh, well, now, look, don't worry about food, Eddie. The Navy has plenty. Yeah, know. but will I like it? You see, Mondays I eat macaroni and cheese, Tuesdays chicken a la king, mashed potatoes, tender peas, swimming in butter. Stop me, I'm making my mouth water. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't stop you, Eddie, but you know, those foods, like so many of the things we eat nowadays are too soft to give our gums the stimulation they need to keep them firm and healthy. So what do I do, eat rock candy? What do I do? No, <laughs> no of course not, Eddie. You simply massage... Of course, with... I pan a toothpaste. I knew well, you knew it, yes. Stop. And I sincerely hope that all of our friends know it, too. Because iPana is especially designed not only to clean and brighten teeth, but when used with massage to help give gums the healthful stimulation they need for greater resistance to gum trouble. Realizing that, ladies and gentlemen, you can easily understand why Ipana Toothpaste recently received this remarkable tribute. In the 1940 National Survey, conducted among thousands of dentists from coast to coast, it was found that Ipana is personally used by twice as many dentists as any other dental preparation, paste, powder, or liquid. In fact, more than the next three dentifrices combined. Now, it's to your advantage, ladies and gentlemen, to make their choice your choice. So get a tube of Ipana toothpaste at your druggist's tomorrow. This is the recruiting office, Harry. Let's go in, yes, huh? Yes, let's. Yeah. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Well, you see, Admiral, I, I came down here with Harry. Well, that's a noble gesture, bringing your son in to enlist. <laughs> My son? Well, I'm, I'm afraid you don't understand, sir. Uh, Eddie wants to enlist in the Navy. <laughs> That's right, Harry. If they don't laugh, you do. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, uh, this, this is embarrassing. Uh, you know, uh, when a battleship gets to be your age, we scrap it. <laughs> but we'll see what we can do. Uh, your name, please? You're writing it down? Uh, Eddie Cantor. Eddie Cantor. Occupation? I'm a dispenser of wit and humor. I bring smiles to people's faces. I make the whole world laugh. Mm Mm-hmm. Unemployed. (laughs) Now, I will test you first for your knowledge of nautical terminology. Yeah. I'll give you some commands, and you answer them using nautical terms. You ready? Yep. Anchors away! Aye, aye, sir! All clear in the lifeboats! Lower away! All hands on deck! Shuffle the cards! Who's dealing, Harry? No, no, no! No, 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 no! Now wait, I'll give you one more chance. Yes. Batten the hatches! Button your lip! No! No, no, no! I flunk! Come on, Harry! No, no. Wait a minute, wait a minute, come back here! Not yet? Tanner, I'll give you one more opportunity. Yes. I'll accept you if you pass your hearing test. If I pass my hearing test? Yes. Okay, test my hearing. All right, I'll stand over here. You ready? Yep. What is your name? I'll be 49 next January. Oh. How old are you? Eddie Candler. <laughs> How tall are you? 141 stripped. I'll find out if this is on the level, Mr. Rodwell. Hand me my service revolver. Yeah, here you are. Thank you. Come in. <laughs> Your hearing is excellent. The Navy accepts you, and you're entitled to pick any boat you want to be on. I can? Any boat? All right. I want to be on the SS Cupid. The SS Cupid? Where is that boat stationed? In the Tunnel of Love, Coney Island. (laughs) 
Tanner, where did you ever get the idea of joining the Navy? From a certain relative of mine? Yes, he's my uncle. I'm his nephew. I'm as proud as I can be. And my sisters and my brothers and my cousins by the dozens share that pride with me. For my uncle envies no one, and there's no one he provokes. And my sisters and my brothers and my cousins by the dozens, we're his kind of folk. That spry old chap never picks a scrap, but he's won all he's had. And furthermore, I feel sorry for any big bully that gets him mad. He's my uncle, I'm his nephew, and it's mighty proud I am. And my sisters and my brothers and my cousins by the dozens, we're proud of Uncle Sam. We're proud of Uncle Sam. Never try scaring little guys He's wise to all the tricks But he's ready to fight When he knows he's right Just like he did back in 76 We're his nieces We're his nephews And it's mighty proud I am All my faith is in my uncle No amount of crazy bunk will ever change My Uncle Sam You can take it straight from Nettie if they bother us, we're ready. Thanks to Uncle Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we of Eddie Cantor's company are attending a party to celebrate Eddie's nine years in radio. And who do you think is baking the cake? <laughs> Here we go to Mrs. Waterfall's kitchen in Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn, that suburb of Ebbets Field. Why, of course not, Mrs. Waterfall. I'm only too happy to help you bake a cake for Mr. Cantor's anniversary. Where's the butter? Oh, there's some on the shelf. It's been there since March. <laughs> Why don't you throw it out? What for? In a few days, it'll be strong enough to walk out by itself. <laughs> You know, Mrs. Waterfall, that butter might still be fresh if you had kept it in your icebox. Why? You know, every day I used to put food in the icebox and every day they'd both disappear. You mean your icebox and your food both disappeared every day? Yes, but I found out later I was using the dumb waiter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come, God. <laughs> Why, at this rate, we'll never get Mr. Cantor's cake finished. Oh, I love to bake. When my husband Stanislaus was on his diet, I always baked gluten bread for him. He ate six loaves a day. Six loaves a day? Yeah, he was a glutton for gluten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he was such a pleasant husband. Oh, I imagine. As husbands go, and as husbands go, he, he went. went. <laughs> How long has your husband Stanislaus been away? Twelve years. Twelve? Yes. My, that's a long, long time. Yes. He'd be all mildewed. <laughs> well, I think perhaps... Uh, oh, somebody came in. Who was that? Oh, he's been walking through here since I moved in four years ago. He's been walking through your apartment all that time? Yeah. Someday I'll have to ask him who he is. <laughs> 
Candace cake is almost ready for the oven. Oh, Mr. Candace, he's such a lovely person. Yeah. So pleasant. <laughs> Say, did you ever notice his eyes? How could you miss the damn things? <laughs> uh, I wonder where he gets all his energy. He's so active. I don't think that's good for a man his age. Don't worry. Running and jumping so much. After he eats my cake, he won't move. <laughs> <laughs> Is everybody ready for your party tonight? Everybody except my Uncle Otto. Poor Otto, he can't come. His wife says he has acute coriza. Oh, Eddie, I'm sorry. I'm bewildered. I don't know whether to call a doctor, a lawyer, or an architect. Acute coriza? What is that? Oh, well, after all, Eddie, acute coriza is just a cold in the head. Now know? he tells me. If I'd have known that yesterday, I could have told him about salopatica. Oh, well, we could tell him now if he's listening. He better be. I paid for his radio. <laughs> Well, you see, Sal Hepatica helps fight colds faster. That's why it's recommended by so many doctors. As a matter of fact, in a recent impartial survey among physicians conducted by leading medical journals, it was found that seven out of ten physicians recommend a saline laxative when treating a cold. And Sal Hepatica, we believe, is America's outstanding saline laxative. There are two very good reasons for this, which you can check with your own doctor. First, as a laxative, Sal Hepatica acts quickly, yet it is exceptionally gentle. And since the progress of a cold is fast, the speed of sal hepatica is especially important in fighting it. Second, this famous saline also helps counteract the excess gastric acidity that so often accompanies a cold. So, ladies and gentlemen, for faster action against colds, don't delay. Get a bottle of gentle, quick-acting sal hepatica at any drugstore. Now, come on, let's get everybody ready for the party. Oh, oh Dinah Shaw. Yes. Come in, Dinah. Come right in here. You know, you're invited to the party, too, Dinah. Oh, thank you, sir. Well, Bobby Sherwood be there. I'm just dying to get him in a game of post office. Oh, you'd be wasting your time playing post office with him. The last party I took him to, a beautiful blonde called him into the other room, puckered up lips and said, I have a special delivery for you, Bobby. <laughs> so he handed her 18 cents and walked out. <laughs> Silly. Yeah. Everybody knows a special delivery is only a dime. <laughs> Please, dine. Say, Mr. Cantor. Uh, what is it, Bobby? I just found out about that post office game. Yeah? When they say I've got a special delivery for you, you're supposed to give them a kiss. Why, certainly, Bobby. Well, I got the darndest sock on the jaw this morning when I tried it on the postman. <laughs> Say, well, Eddie, yeah. here comes Nan Ray and her friend Mrs. Waterfall with your anniversary cake. The cake? Yes. Oh, girls, girls, you shouldn't have done it. Oh, but Mr. Cantor, Mrs. Waterfall and I want to express our sentiments. Yes. Here's to your anniversary. Enjoy this glorious day as you slide down the banister of life. And may the splitters never point the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely sentiment and what a... Beautiful cake. Mrs. Waterfall, you must be pretty handy around the house, huh? Oh, I wish you'd tell that to Mr. Fonsell. Still stuck on him, huh? Yeah. You know, I bake, I cook, I sew, but I don't use any makeup. You mean that face is natural? <laughs> no, no, no cosmetics? Well, once a week I simonize it. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, Mr. Candy, you must admit Mrs. Waterfall has a real schoolgirl complexion. Schoolgirl? <laughs> Mrs. Waterfall, you mean that you, you actually went to school? Yes. I would have graduated. 
infatuated, but I had such a tough time fighting off those Indians. <laughs> Good heavens, don't ever tell that to Harry Von Zell. It'll break up that romance between you. <laughs> that could never happen. No. He's my Prince Charming. I'm his Citronella. <laughs> how touching, how very touching. You know, last night I dreamed that he carried me away on a beautiful white horse. Oh. Wasn't it romantic? Oh. Oh, I love horses, Mr. Cantor. <laughs> they have such a noble smell. <laughs> you know, Mrs. Waterfall is quite an equestrian. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Stanislaus and I used to go riding all the time. Really? Yes. He just used to throw a saddle on my back and away we go. He must have been quite a guy, the Stanislaus of yours. Oh, he was wonderful. He was yeah. sweet. Yeah. You know, he always used to sneak up behind me and kiss me right on the back of the neck. How tender. Then one time I turned around. Yes. That was the day he left. <laughs> Mrs. Waterfall? Your Stanislaus never would have left you if he'd had a girl like Dinah Shaw to sing him a song like this. Don't ask me what ails me, what I'm thinking of. One look reveals that I'm head over heels in love. to take a chorus of that song. <laughs> but I don't sing it like Miss Shaw sings it. Well, how do you do it? I swing it. Oh. You made me this way. Say, I wish I had you around the house. I know I forget about Stanislaus. You made me this way. Crazy boy, you So blase, say, Winchell will print a squib about it, then we will have to fib about it. Who cares what they say? You made her that way. The lumber bit me and I don't know where to scratch it. <laughs> How sweetly he sings. Oh, lady. He's just like a big canary. <laughs> I wish I had wings. I'd fly to California. You made me this way. Say, 
what are you going to do about it? Well, what are you going to do about it? I'm just going to say crazy for you. We love our panas. I'm going to say crazy for you. That was very good. And now, now look, if you don't mind, I'd like to take a chorus on the occasion of my ninth anniversary in radio. I address it to those in the millions of homes I never could have visited except for radio. You made me this way, say. Could I have possibly scaled the heights, had opening nights in my name and lights? I gratefully say, you made me this way. We met one fine day, way back in the days of the crystal wires, and here I am working for Bristol Myers. Once more I can say, you made me this way. We've seen lots of water go over the dam. I still love applause because at heart, I'm really a ham, that's what I am. You made me this way, and I pray that each Wednesday night you'll keep on dialing, listening in a while and smiling. I'm happy today. You've made me this way. ready to go upstairs to your party. Okay, is everybody here? Oh, boy, boy, hold that elevator, please. Yes, sir. Here, get in, going Ray, up. Mrs. Can Waterfall. Can get in, in. You, We're all in. All right, elevator boy, get her going. Well, why aren't we moving? I can't understand it. Won't budge. There must be too many people in here. But there's only six of us in here. Oh, I know what's holding us. Mrs. Waterfall, throw out that cake, will you? <laughs> That's more like it. We're going up now. Third floor. Fourth floor. Why, Bobby Sherwood, you're holding my hand. You're getting so romantic. Romantic nothing. I'm scared to death. Twentieth <laughs> floor. Twenty-fifth floor. Oh, Mr. Bonsdell, you're hurting me. Why, well, I'm nowhere near you. That's what's hurting me. Fifty-fifth <laughs> floor. Sixtieth floor. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The audience downstairs. Well, we were broadcasting. I forgot to tell them. Forgot to tell them what, Eddie? I love to spend each Wednesday with you. 120th floor. As 130th floor. I'm sorry it's 240th floor. I'm 250th floor. Wait a minute, boy. There isn't a building in the world that's got 250 floors. There isn't? Gee, I'd better start going down. <laughs> 225th floor. 200th floor. <laughs> Join 
Join us again next Wednesday, won't you? And in the meantime, remember the two products which make these evenings together possible. Ipana for the smile of beauty, Sal Hepatica for the smile of health. Ipana and Sal Hepatica. Be sure to stay tuned to this station for another thrilling installment of Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately. Good night. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Pat's Blue Ribbon Beer proudly presents The Eddie Cantor Pat's Blue Ribbon Show With Bert Gordon as the Mad Russian, Cookie Fairchild's Orchestra, yours truly Harry Bonzel, Eddie Cantor, and our special guest for tonight, Al Jolson. <laughs> You know, ladies and gentlemen, in recent years, the movie industry has followed a definite trend toward biographical pictures. For permission to do the life story of Jerome Kern, MGM paid $500,000. To make the Jolson story, Columbia paid $750,000. And now, Warner Brothers plans making the life of Eddie Cantor. Mr. Cantor, $800,000. $800,000? That's our final figure. Well, if I have to pay it, I'll pay it. One year ago. Yesterday, Eddie finished the first draft of the script. And Harry, look. What is it, Look Eddie? at the dedication here on the front page. Yeah? To Margie, Natalie, Edna, Marilyn, and Janet, without whom this book would never have been possible. Oh. And to Ida, without whom Margie, Natalie, Edna, Marilyn, and Janet <laughs> would never have been possible. How does the story open? You want to hear my life story, I'd Harry? love to hear it, yeah. It starts out with me as a kid on the Lower East Side. Uh-huh. We were terribly poor, Harry. We had to share an apartment with the Murphys. They had eight kids in their family, and we had 12 kids in ours. And we were always getting mixed up. You couldn't tell the Murphy kids from the Cantors. Well, how did you ever get straightened out? Every morning, Mrs. Murphy would yell, Come and get your ham and eggs. Those that didn't go were Cantors. <laughs> We had locks. Well, Harry, <laughs> let me tell you something. Time passed. Yeah. Time passed, and I grew up, and love came into my life. The first and last girl I've ever loved, Ida. She was so cute, and she always had a little blue ribbon in her hair. She did? Yeah, she used to shampoo herself with paps. <laughs> I was in love with Ida, but so was the toughest kid on the block, Slugger Shapiro. He was a delivery boy for the butcher. According to the code of the East Side, when two guys love the same girl, it had to be fought out with bare fists. With bare fists? Yes. And while he and Ida were fighting, I got his job in the butcher shop. <laughs> Whatever happened to Slugger Shapiro? Well, he lost the fight, but he was good looking and he got a job in pictures. He made good, too. You've probably seen him. Pat O'Brien? <laughs> Slugger Shapiro is Pat O'Brien. Yes. Eddie, you know something? This picture of yours really sounds like money. You think it'll win the Academy Award? No, it'll bring back bank night. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but go on with the story. How, how did you start in show business? My first appearance on the stage was at Miner's Bowery Theater. It was amateur night. That's when I learned potatoes are cheaper, tomatoes are cheaper. You sang it? No, they threw them at me. I got them for nothing. <laughs> it was in 1910, Harry. Come on in here, come on in here, Alexander's Ragtime Band. Come on in here, come on in here, it's the best band in the land. They can play a bugle call like you never heard before, so natural that you want to go to war. It's just the bestest band, what am Oh, my honey lamb. Come on along, come on along, let me take you by the hand. Up to the man, up to the man, who's the leader of the band? And if you want to hear that Swanee River play in rack time, come on along, come on along to Alexander's rack time Eddie, you've come a long way since those days, imagine. You're a big star, and now they're going to make the story of your life. Yes, Harry Von Zell. In a couple of months, the picture will be finished, The Life of Eddie Cantor. Yeah. Gosh, I can just see the name up in fog lights. Yeah. Fog lights? Yeah. It's going to open in Los Angeles. <laughs> Which reminds me, Harry, I've got to go over to Warner Brothers. They're having a meeting about who's going to play me in the picture. Come on over to Warner Brothers. <laughs> Almost looked like they caught off one of the Warner Brothers. <laughs> Here's Mr. Warner's office, Harry. Let's go in, huh? To whom did you wish to speak to? To whom are ready? <laughs> Look, I'm Eddie Cantor. Your studio is making my life story. Oh, the cartoon department's down the hall. No, 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 no. Look, I finished the script for my picture, and I came over to talk about who's going to play the part of Eddie Cantor. Well, how about Larry Parks? He played Al Jolson. Say, that's a good idea. After all... Al Jolson and I are very much alike. Yeah, that's right. Well, the only difference is he puts the black on his face and you put it on your hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harry, please, Harry. Uh, Mr. Warner made a few screen tests of who might play you, and if you'd like, I'd run them off for you in the projection room. Come on in. Screen tests, huh? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we took the proposal scene from your story and made it with some different actors. Hey, Joe, run off the Henry Aldrich test. It's a very peculiar situation, Ida. I'm in love with you. And I guess it all started when you came to watch me play basketball for PS number one. I knew it was love right then, because when I left the basketball court, I was still dribbling. <laughs> Henry Aldrich, he sounds like he's got about 12 adenoids. <laughs> Let's look at some others, huh? Okay, uh, go ahead, Joe. Run the Ronald Coleman test. Ah, yes, my darling. It's not much that I have to offer you. What I earn is a mere pittance. This is not a Shangri-La, just four bare walls and to eat a stale crust of bagel. <laughs> but there's nothing I wouldn't offer you if I were king and you were queen. Ah, yes, if I were king and you were queen. Hey, that's pretty good, with me being king and Ida being queen, because we ended up with a full house. <laughs> 
And she still gets my jack. But that's not that's not my type, you know? Well, we have one more. Uh, say, Joe, run the Jimmy Stewart test. Ida, there, there's something I want to tell you about. Well, uh, oh, gosh, I don't know what to say. It, it, see, I, I know I'm not much, but I, I'm asking to be, uh, well, well, that is, would you, would you consider becoming? Yeah, you see, when, I mean, when a, when a fellow and a girl have been, uh, well, I just thought that you and I, and, uh, well, well, sometimes I, and, uh, well, so I thought, but, uh, well, then you, and, uh, after all, uh, will you? Say, miss, that's no good. If I was as slow as that, I'd and I would still be engaged. Look, I'll tell you, haven't you got any other actors who might play me? Yeah, there's one more. I'll go get him. All right, you go ahead. Hey, Eddie, I was thinking, while you're over here at Warner Brothers, why don't you suggest to them that they do my biography, The Life of Harry Von Zell? The Life of Harry Von Zell? Oh, it opens with me being born. Oh, good. All I have at the time is two arms, two legs, and a body, so my father picks me up, rushes me into the Pabst Blue Ribbon Brewery, and says, Here, put a head on this. <laughs> Too bad they couldn't find one, huh? Go ahead. <laughs> the, look, the years pass, and I hang around the Pabst Blue Ribbon Brewery and watch them make that splendid, blended Blue Ribbon beer. I watch them practicing the art of brewing and the science of blending that makes Paps always just right, never too dark and never too light. Harry, how many characters do you have in this epic? Thirty-four. Thirty-four? Yeah, me and those thirty-three fine brews that are blended into one great beer. Oh, you're so smart. <laughs> well, you know, it's those thirty-three brews plus the long, costly process of blending them that gives Paps Blue Ribbon Beer the uniformity of quality that enables you to order it with confidence and serve it with pride. How long does the picture go on? Yeah. 103 years. Oh, a double feature. That's good. Well, that's how long Paps has been brewing that wonderful Blue Ribbon beer, you know. And on their 103rd anniversary, the makers of Paps Blue Ribbon give me a wonderful present. My own beer barrel. <laughs> Would you like to see it? Yes. Unbutton your vest. Yeah. Please, Harry, this would be great except for one thing. It needs music. You, it has music. Really? In the final scene, I stand on the top of the Pabst Blue Ribbon Brewery, and I'm completely surrounded by beautiful girls who sing... Thirty-three fine girls, Here he is, Mr. Cantor, the most handsome and talented actor on the lot. Great. The most talented and handsome actor on the lot? Who is he? Who? Who? How do you do? Mr. Craig Gordon, the mad Russian. Russian, you are an actor? Of course. Why only the other day they put my footprints in the cement at Groman's Chinese? Well, they put lots of stars in the cement at Groman's Chinese. At first? <laughs> Russian, tell me, how long have you been in show business? All my life. I was born in a trunk. It was awful. Well, what's so awful? Lots of theatrical kids are born in trunks. Yes, but my mother didn't open the lid till I was 15. <laughs> well, that's silly. Silly? For the first ten years, I thought my father was a coat hanger. <laughs> I'm 
curious to know, how did you get into show business? Very simple. By employing the Stanislavski method of thespian expression of the legitimate stage. What's that? Burlesque. <laughs> there I worked so hard, I had a breakdown. Yes. They gave me a transfusion. With the plasma? No, with borscht. <laughs> a transfusion with borscht? Tell me, what happened? I broke out all over in lumps. In lumps? They forgot to take out the boiled potatoes. Russian, you're not playing me in my picture. Get out. Some actor, that Russian. I'm not going to use it. Say, Harry. Yes, Eddie? You know, another fellow who had this very same problem when they made his life story is Al Jolson. Sure. Let's go over to his house and get Jolson's advice. Come on. Yes, sir? Oh, Mr. Cantor. Tell me, sir, is uh, is Mr. Jolton in? Oh, yes, sir. He's just getting a breath of fresh air. Out in the garden? No, he's in his oxygen tent. <laughs> I'll tell him you're here, sir. What? Look at this. Did you ever see a carpet like this? Isn't that some home? Such a nice green and so soft you sink in right up to your knees. Harry, that's no carpet. It's money. <laughs> Hey, and look at something else. Look, look at all the bottles in this room. Must be hundreds of them. Yeah, those are Jolson's pills. <laughs> they don't have any labels on them. How, how does he know which ones to take? It doesn't matter. Whatever they cure, Jolson's got it. <laughs> hey, hey, oh, wait a minute. Here, here he comes now. No, that's not Jolson. That's the butler again. Well, I'm sorry, sir, but Mr. Jolson's in the shower. Well, wait a minute. This music, what... What's that music for? The orchestra, sir. You see, Mr. Jolson always sings in the shower. He has, he has an orchestra in the shower with him? I don't believe it. You will when you see who's conducting. Harry, look, Petrillo. <laughs> All right, Cesar, old boy, play for Jolie. <laughs> Is it true what they say about Dixie? Does the sun really shine all the time? Do the sweet magnolia blossom round everybody's door? Do the folks keep eating possum till they can't eat no more? Is it true what they say about this one is a dream by that stream so sublime? Do they laugh? Do they love? Like to sing every song? If it's true, that's where I belong. Sweet magnolia blossom And everybody's gone The folks keep eating possum Till they can't eat no more Is it true What they say About the swanee Is a dream 
by that stream so sublime? Do they laugh? Do they love? Like they say in every song, if it's true, that's where I belong. That was great. Now dry yourself off and come out of there, will you? Come on out now. Come on, Al. Oh, uh... Hello, Eddie. It's good to see you, Al. Look, look who I brought with me. Hello, Mr. Jolson. Why, Margie, you certainly have grown. Margie, that's Harry Von... Harry, if you'll excuse us, I'd like to talk to Mr. Jolson. Al, have you got a few minutes for me? Eddie... I've always got time for my friends. Good. I was afraid you'd gone Hollywood. Really? What made you think that? I saw you riding through Beverly Hills in a town and country wheelchair. <laughs> that's, that's nonsense, Eddie. I, I don't need a wheelchair. Come on into the living room. All right. Here we are. Which chair shall I put you down in, sir? <laughs> Lean me up against the fireplace. I've got a little chill. Now, what's on your mind, Eddie boy? What's on your mind? Well, Al, they're making the story of my life into a picture. Yeah? At first, I didn't know who was going to make it. RKO, Paramount, MGM. And finally, Warner Brothers decided to make it. What did you have on them? <laughs> well, no, Al. My problem is who is going to play me in the picture? I've got the boy for you. Really, yeah. I have. i got his name in a little book here. Let's see. Alphabetically. A, B, C, D, K, K. Here it is. Boris Karloff. Now, oh, please, Al, do you think I could play myself? Of course, really. You really could. But here's a funny thing. My picture's been out for near two years. And I could never understand why they didn't let me play myself. Well, you're too old, Al. <laughs> too old? <laughs> Life begins at 40. Yeah, but this is the third time you started. Right? <laughs> of course, that Larry Parks really did a sensational job. When I saw him on the screen playing me, Eddie, I felt 20 years younger. So I went right home. And what did you do? I celebrated my 17th birthday. <laughs> that's, uh, that's 70th. 70th. Yeah. Eddie... You read it for you, I'll read it for me. <laughs> oh, you're really not so old, Al. Oh, gee, what it goes, how time flies. Eddie. Yeah. Let's reminisce. You remember that night in San Francisco? We were out on the town. Oh, son, we really raised the roof, didn't we? Yeah, we danced all night. Yeah, Eddie, you know something? Yeah. We would have had more fun if we'd have taken girls with us. <laughs> Yes, sir, we, we sure had some swell times before we were married. Oh, yeah. By the way, Al, where's, uh, where's your wife? My wife? Yeah. Oh, she's visiting her mother for a few days. She's up in Arkansas someplace yeah. without shoes. <laughs> where's Ida? She's in Palm Springs for the weekend. Doesn't matter what time you get home, huh? No. How about uh, you? No. Al. Yeah? Have a vitamin pill. (laughs) 
Freddy, look. Yeah. I've, uh, I've got a little black book I've been hiding from my wife. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here's a great little number. What a time we'll have tonight. Dancing at Ciro's, the Macombo. I'll call her right now. Uh-huh. Eddie. Yes, Al? You better talk. This dialing has exhausted me. <laughs> She won't know me. Imitate my voice. Go ahead. You've been doing it all your life. <laughs> okay. Hello, this is Al. Yeah, Joseph. Yeah. Climb upon my. Yeah, Sonny. Yeah. You are only. Yeah, Sonny. Yeah. Honey, you ain't heard nothing yet. How can she when you're doing that lousy imitation? <laughs> Quiet, Al. Uh, can I talk to Miss Queenie Tobias? This is an old boyfriend of hers, and I... She what? When? 1912? <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Goodbye. Try this one, Eddie. Okay. Can I... Can I please talk to Fifi Latour? This is Al Jolson. Yeah, this is Al. I, I'd like to take her out. What? They've already taken her out? <laughs> well, that's too bad. I'm sorry. Goodbye. Got any more numbers, Al? Yeah. Here's one I think is living. <laughs> That'll be a novelty. I, I'll dial the number for you. That'll give you strength to talk. Go ahead, Al. All right. Hold the receiver up to my ear. <laughs> Thanks. Hello, is this Peaches? Yes, baby. What's on your mind, big boy? Honey, I want to ask you if you... That is, I, uh... I, uh, I wondered if, uh... Al, have another vitamin pill. Ask if she has a friend. Look, Peaches, honey. This is Al Jolson. Who? Are you the Al Jolson? I sure am, honey. Well, wait a second. I'll put my grandmother on. <laughs> Al, do me a favor. Forget the address book. Is Sophie Tucker in town? Yeah, let's call Sophie Tucker before it's too late. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, let's go over to the Macombo. We'll do all right. Of course, it's a little late to be starting a big evening. Yeah. What time is it? Ten minutes of eight. <laughs> Let's go anyway. I'll, I'll call up right now for a reservation. Hello, Macombo. This is Eddie Cantor. I'd like a reservation. What? You have to check your list? Okay, call me right back. I'm at Mr. Jolson's home. He's going to call me right back, Al. Good. 
Let's, let's just relax for a little while, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> Boy, will we have a time. Yeah, sir. Tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll paint the town red. We'll dance till two in the morning. Just think of it. Yeah. We'll get home with a milkman. Answer the phone, Eddie. Answer the phone. Go ahead. I can, Al. I'm too tired. What an evening it would have been, Eddie. Yeah. Oh, nightclubs, dancing, carousing. Just think of it. That's the trouble with us, Eddie. We can just think of it. <laughs> Friends, maybe you've wondered why your glass of Pabst Blue Ribbon always tastes so fresh, so clean, so sparkling, so full of that real beer flavor. Well, I can give you the answer in six words. The art of brewing, the science of blending. If you could just visit the great Pabst breweries in Milwaukee or Peoria or Newark, you would see a whole corps of white-coated scientists busily engaged in protecting the flavor of your glass of Pabst Blue Ribbon. With infinite patience, care, and skill, they perform each process. They make endless laboratory tests to ensure quality, purity, and perfection. Then, to the art of brewing, Pabst adds the supreme and final touch, the science of blending. Never less than 33 fine brews are blended to produce that distinctive Pabst Blue Ribbon taste, that evenness of quality for which Pabst Blue Ribbon has become so famous. Yes, it's the art of brewing plus the science of blending that have made millions all over the world settle down to real beer enjoyment with blended, splendid Pabst Blue Ribbon. Thirty-three fine rules blended into one Al, you're a great showman. You should be able to think of someone to play me. Eddie, I've got the same problem. MGM is making the sequel to The Jolson Story, and I need someone to play me. Yeah, wait a minute, Al. I've got an idea. Listen to this. Though April showers may come your way, they bring the little flowers that bloom in May. Sure, Eddie, and listen to this. Potatoes are cheaper, tomatoes are cheaper, now the time to fall in love. Say, Al! Yeah? Al Jolson, that's it! Of course! Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Sure, Larry Parks will play both of us. <laughs> One of the high spots in my radio season is when you come to visit me. And you certainly are not going to leave without singing a song by yourself, is he, folks? There's just one place for me near you. 
is like heaven to be near you. Times when we're apart, I can't face my heart. Say you'll never stray more than just two lips away. If my hours could be spent near you, I'd be more than content near you. Make my life worthwhile by telling me that I. Spend the rest of my days near you. Rebop. Thank you, Al Jolson. Friends, be sure to be with us next week when Eddie Cantor resumes his campaign for the presidency. And until then, remember... I love to spend each Thursday with you As friend to friend I'm sorry it's true I'm telling you How I feel I hope you feel That way too Good night everybody Good night Ida This program is brought to you by the Pabst Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Newark, New Jersey, Peoria, Illinois. Written by Jay Summers and Jess Goldstein, produced and directed by Vic Knight. Sent your way with the best wishes of the Pabst Blue Ribbon dealers from coast to coast. The impersonations heard tonight were by Stan Early. The lady on the telephone was Sarah Bernard. Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.